Welcome to Nerd News with Gregory Symington. It is done. The work is complete. 70% of last year's US box office is now owned by a single company. Oh, and you get to see X-Men in the future Avengers films. The Disney Fox deal is now complete. That's a journalistic shorthand to describe the completion of Disney's purchase of 21st Century Fox from Australian billionaire and answer to the question, what if a pile of garbage was half personified by a witch before she got bored and went out for coffee? Rupert Murdoch for a cool 71 billion US dollars. It's definitely not a deal that was made with any consideration for the X-Men in mind. That just happens to be what websites are putting on every news story about the acquisition, which cuts the number of major Hollywood studios down from six to just five in a singular fell swoop. The actual list of total things that now belong to Disney is a little too long for a roughly three-minute feature, but it includes everything from The Simpsons to Star India, the broadcaster responsible for the Indian Premier League, which I feel I must mention because this is normally about Mars and Star Wars, is a cricket thing, Murdoch's non-news American channels, National Geographic, and his 30% stake in streaming servers Hulu, meaning Disney will very soon own between two and five Netflix competitors, depending on how you count it, as they'll soon be unveiling yet another one called Disney Plus, all of which makes the House of Mouse, as people will someday have to refer to the US Congress, one of the most powerful companies on the face of the planet, and certainly the most powerful film production studio. I really want to make the whole Marvel getting the X-Men back thing a happy story, but thousands of people are about to lose their jobs, so it's difficult to spin. Speaking of massive conglomerates more powerful than God, Google is getting into the gaming scene with the release of, well, it's not a console, but it is definitely a something, and that something is called Stadia. It is a little weird that they haven't gone the hardware route, given that they're really into releasing products that nobody buys, case in point, their entire laptop and tablet range. But apparently they decided that, for once, they were going to leverage their strengths, even though this time they can't actually be beaten by Apple. Last year, they test-ran a version of Assassin's Creed Odyssey that was entirely processed on Google servers and then streamed to a player's Chrome browser, which more or less did actually work, albeit with a small amount of lag, provided you were using a line that exceeded 25 megabits per second, which is faster than almost any connection available in South Africa. But it'll probably be really cool in 10 years once we've worked out that minor kink. The idea is to let people play AAA titles bought from a Google Play-like store on anything with a screen, except presumably Apple products and including like fridges or something, using any controller or keyboard you want, although they'd really like you to buy their specifically made one, because Google is very much in favour of you paying them money, even though they haven't actually built a console. They're releasing their online video game streaming service sometime this year, so if you are an incredibly rich American, or sitting in a South Korean car park, mark that off on your calendar. In case you're wondering what flat earthers are up to other than stabbing globe models and scouring aeroplane companies' websites for irregularities in the routes, a bunch of them are allegedly planning a trip to Antarctica, outer space having been too difficult a task for their definitionally limited scientific capabilities. After all, willpower can only get you so far, provided you're willing to ignore an unfortunately large amount of evidence to get there. Speaking about their planned vacation to the deepest of deep souths, Jay de Casby had the following to say, if we can get to the coast of Antarctica and sail all the way around it, we will get the distance that will prove it's the outer edges of the flat earth and refute entirely every single argument anyone can possibly try to pitch for the sun-worshipping cult of heliocentrism.
Now, as John Mulaney once said while talking about 50s-style bigotry, we don't have time to unpack all of that, but I do like that he's decided to make things even harder for himself by not only claiming the Earth is flat, but also that the sun isn't the centre of the solar system, which is like trying to rob a supermarket and then declaring to the security guard that caught you that on top of all the pencils in your pocket, you had also eaten a half dozen raw eggs. Of course, people do often die sailing the treacherous seas off the coast of Antarctica, or just go slightly mad after weeks of being lost, so it's not actually a great idea for a group of people with no idea what the shape of the Earth is to try and navigate under those conditions. But if people try and stop them, they'll claim that's part of the conspiracy. And besides, they don't really want to do it because it's insane. So let's just let them and see what happens. It might be fun. In the world of video games, Gabe Newell has reportedly started answering more fan questions via email about Valve's upcoming projects beyond continuing to own and make a ton of money off of Steam. They plan on getting really big into VR, apparently, although what actually happened was Newell was asked if they were still working on VR projects, and he said yes, which you may remember is what the official position on Half-Life 3 has been for well over a decade now, since they declared they were definitely working on that multiple times, which was, and this isn't technically news because we knew this at the time, a bald-faced lie. During his most recent batch of email responses, which feels like a very 2004 way to communicate with the community, so completely on brand then, Newell said he was still in contact with the voice actors of Half-Life and Portal. So, Half-Life 3 confirmed. You heard it here first, provided you don't count any of the other times that's been said in the news article. In case you were looking for an additional reason to avoid becoming an astronaut over and above all the delightful rockets exploding on takeoff compilations available online, xenobiologists have got you covered. Technically, they're just regular biologists, but my most important and only takeaway from the Alien franchise is that if your job happens in space, you get to put Xeno in front of your name, even if technically it's meant to be about aliens. It turns out space travel can resurrect dead viruses inside your body, and in case you don't find that particularly gross, the specific virus happens to be herpes. Apparently, it's largely uncommon in most cases over short periods of time, but the probability of space giving you an STD increases the longer you're up there, which feels like a particularly weird PSA I once watched in high school with a lot of ambition and absolutely zero budget. I remember the Starship Enterprise pitching up at one point for some reason. It's worth noting that theoretically this could probably happen to just about any dormant virus in one's body, and that's probably linked to immunocompromisation caused by space, because the universe is a terrifying alien more that wants both you and your pet pigeons to die. Every single one of them. All of this seems to be most troubling for any future manned missions to Mars, but that's fine because NASA's definitely just going to pull a James Cameron and promise to release Avatar 2, I mean, go to Mars, for as long as they possibly can until someone Theranoses them. And as far as everyone not going to Mars in the next 10 to 100 years, avoid going to space at all costs, I guess. If you're in a coffee shop and it seems like there's a chance you'll go to space, then just get out of there. Don't, don't let it happen. Speaking of space, what are Earth's two neighbours, Venus and Mars, right? Well, according to a new piece of rather 15-year-old contrarian-styled research, apparently that's wrong. Due to a technicality caused by Mercury's proximity to the Sun, the Earth spends more time on average nearest the winged messenger than any other planet in our solar system. It would be really fun to reveal at this point that Pluto would come second if only they'd let it be a planet, but unfortunately it's just ridiculously far away, and no amount of mathematical jiggling will change that, which makes that afternoon I spent trying to map the universe on 
onto a 4D hypersphere seem a bit of a waste, all of which means that you now get to correct people when they casually mention our planetary neighbours Venus and Mars in that conversation. You know, like most people do, all the time. If you walk up to your friend and they're referring to one of their neighbours as the Mars of the group, you get to break out your best, um, actually, voice, or just start hanging around the astronomy department. But give it a few months or they'll point out it's a new study that needs way more research to be considered conclusive. That's been your Nerd News with Gregory Symington. Tune in next time as we try to stop any new mouse-centric animation houses from taking over the face of the planet. Those things are inordinately dangerous, apparently. And we didn't know until it was too late. <laughs>